presents Into the West. Old-time radio westerns that share the stories of the men and women who claimed the West. The cowboys and ranchers, the gunslingers and gamblers, the lawmen and the lawbreakers. These are the tales of the frontier of the intrepid pioneers who ventured into the West. Into the West. Thanks for joining me today for another episode of Western Old Time Radio. We'll hear this time from Frontier Town, syndicated series that originally aired in 1949-1950, then returned to the air in 1952. We'll hear the second episode from this series from May 13th, 1952, titled His Name is John Smith. Frontier Town, the saga of the Roaring West. <laughs> El Paso, Cheyenne, Powder River, Tombstone. Frontier Town. Here is the adventurous story of the early West, the tamed and the untamed. From the Pecos to Powder River, Dodge City to Poker Flat. These are the towns they fought to live in and lived to fight for. Teeming crucibles of pioneer freedom. Frontier Town! Rios and meet a lawyer, you might look me up. In a cow town, a frontier town, I don't need much of an office. But if you really want to find me, my one-room suite is upstairs over Cherokee O'Bannon's livery stable. And there's a sign out on the side alley with my name on it, Chad Remington. Now, I don't want you to think there's not much for a country lawyer to do in Dos Rios, because with the type of people who settle the frontier and whose places sprawl over it, we got all kinds the good and meek to the loud and leathery. Take just last week, for instance. Not only did I get a client, but I earned myself plenty of trouble. Came close to being shot to death. I guess the best place to start is when I was over at Judge Fillmore's house, chatting with the judge and enjoying a few understanding smiles and looks from his daughter Libby. Chad, no matter what you and I and Libby think about it, we've got about as much real law out here on the prairie as a porcupine has pin feathers. Well, you know, I don't always agree with my father, judge or not, but this time I must. Libby, I I don't disagree with you two, Fillmore's, but I feel we can't just accept the facts because they're facts. 
We've got to do everything we can to rid ourselves of gun law and substitute legal law. That's exactly the point I was making when I was up to the state capitol last week. Oh? The governor, as you'll remember, is not only a political associate of mine, but one of my oldest friends. Don't be surprised if Daniel B. Fillmore drops the judge from his name next election and substitutes lieutenant governor. <laughs> well... And I suppose the daughter of the lieutenant governor would consider herself slumming if she went out with a cowtown lawyer. Oh. <laughs> that is, if he asked her. Now, don't forget, Chad. As good a friend of mine as the governor may be, your father was the closest friend I ever had. It sounded like an explosion. Those sound like shots. George! George, so someone just held up the bank. Great day in the morning. The bank. Libby, you wait here. Come on, Chad. Let's get down there. Pussimaneous, pussyfootin' polecat. Or this time I'll beat your brains out for fair. Oh, Cherokee, you mean to stand there and tell me you captured this gunman inside the bank single-handed? My boy, don't ever let it be said that old Bannon's single-handed. It takes just one old Bannon to care for one row. But for rebellion, it might take two. Stand still there, you varmint. Uh, then stop twisting my arm. Stand back, everybody. Here comes the sheriff. Out of my way now. Out of my way. Move back. Move back there. Good thing you got here, sheriff. But there's no hurry anymore. <laughs> One man army O'Bannon caught your man for you. Well, so you thought you could get away with holding up the bank all by yourself, did you? Well, I wasn't asking just to hear myself talk. Maybe he's not answering on advice of counsel, Sheriff. What's your name? Smith. John Smith. Why don't you just make it John Doe? Well, Smith, or whatever your name is, I'm hauling you down to the calaboose. And maybe by the time we get through with you down there, we'll find out who you are, where you came from, and your right name. So we can make it legal when we change your name to a number. Now, come on. Cherokee and I helped the sheriff down to jail and waited in the outside office while the sheriff tried to get a slightly better identification than the convenient name of John Smith. While we were there, knowing Cherokee, I took occasion to do a little investigating of my own. By the memory of my sainted mother, Chad, I'm telling you the truth, the whole truth. And very little of the truth. Now, Cherokee, I'm not saying you didn't catch the rascal. I'm not saying you're not a hero. All I'm saying is, since you didn't have a bottle of your Cherokee Indian rattlesnake oil with you, what did you drink to give you that much Dutch courage? Pawn my honor, Chad, I was cold sober. Well, cold anyhow. But, uh... uh yeah, yeah, uh, what? I must admit that, uh, I was just passing by the bank when that thieving no-good buzzard smith backed out and tripped over me, and when I landed on top of him... It knocked all his wind out. Oh, well, now we're getting places. And since we've gotten the true facts, counsel will excuse witness from... Oh, uh, well, Sheriff, uh, what did you find out? Well, nothing. All he'll say is his name is John Smith. Hmm. But there's a label in his shirt from a store in Houston. Hey, I thought I might telegraph down there with a description of him and see if we can't be identified. Well, say, that's a good idea. Fellow like that's probably wanted on 30 charges in 30 states. Might even be a little reward money. Reward money? This is getting to look like the brightest day of my ill-favored life. Think I'll go down and send that telegram to Houston myself? Oh, no, you don't, Cherokee. 
As the man who caught the prisoner, you're staying right here and answering a lot of questions for me. <laughs> there you see, Cherokee, the wages of heroism is work. Now, I'll tell you what. I'll stop by the Western Union office and send the telegram for you myself. Harry, the sheriff asked me to stop by and send a telegram for him. Why, sure, Chad, sure. What's it about? The fellow tried to hold up the bank? Well, you dabbed your rope right on it. I... What was that again, Chad? Oh, I forgot you've been out here in the cattle country for only a few years, Harry. To dab your rope on something is a cowboy's way of saying you hit the bullseye. Oh, <laughs> I guess I'll never get used to the way you west... Well, oh. here comes my wife with my lunch. <laughs> Hi there, Mrs. Cummings. You bring enough lunch for the two of us? Oh, hello, Mr. Remington. No, but I'll be glad to go home and get some more. Hello, darling. Hello, Martha. Bring me something good? Well, there's a piece of that pumpkin pie we had last night. And some cold fried chicken. Uh, no, I, I don't mean to interrupt the menu, but I think so. I don't impede the wheels of justice. I'd better send this telegram to Houston and, and get along. Uh, to, to where, Chad? To Houston. Oh, maybe coming from Schenectady, you don't know that Houston's in Texas. Yes. Yes, we know Houston's in Texas. Hey, what's going on here? The minute I mentioned Houston, you both started to look as if you'd lost your last friend. Oh, no. No, there's nothing wrong. It's just that, well, seems to be some trouble on the line to Houston lately. Oh, now, mind you, Harry, I'm not calling you a liar, but that's really a little flimsy. Harry, what's the use? Mr. Remington knows you're lying. Tell him the truth. Uh, now, Martha, you keep out of this. I'm not going to. We've had this thing hanging over our heads for years now, and I'm tired of it. Some nights uh, I can't even sleep. Afraid of my own shadow. Well, I'm willing to listen. What's the trouble with or in Houston? Go on, Harry. Well, nine years ago, I got thrown in jail in Houston. I was working for the railroad then as telegrapher. There was a holdup, and they felt Harry was mixed up in it. You weren't? Well, not mixed up the way they meant. I recognized Martha's kid brother. And, well, I could have stopped him, but I didn't. Uh-huh. And then what happened? Well, they sentenced me to seven years. After a year, I... I broke out. I see. Well, I still don't understand your reluctance to telegraph. Well, I... I don't know if you know much about us telegraph operators, but... Well, we all have a certain touch. Another telegrapher can recognize a man's fist just the way you can recognize someone's voice. You see, Mr. Remington, about ten days ago when Harry was sending a message to Houston, the man on the other end thought he recognized him and asked him if his name wasn't Harry Cheeseborough. Cheeseborough's our real name. Chad, I'm scared. I served a year I shouldn't have served. They're not going to put me back. Believe me, they're not. Now, look, Harry, as a lawyer and as a friend, the best possible thing you can do is turn yourself over to the sheriff. What? Listen to him, Harry. I don't want a red cent. I'll handle your case, and I'm as sure as a man can be that I'll get you off. Harry, do what Mr. Remington says. Living like this is just like living in purgatory. Now, come on, Harry. You and I are going down to jail. Harry didn't like the idea, but once the sheriff reassured him that his chances of getting off were pretty good, he seemed to feel better. With our little jail full, the sheriff put him in the same cell he put the bank bandit Smith a little earlier. With my client now in jail, I went down to see the judge. Chad, I'm afraid you don't realize what you're asking me to do. 
just because the governor happens to be an old friend of no, mine. Oh, sir, as a judge, I know you're interested in justice. And the ends of justice wouldn't be served by having that man extradited. Chad's right, Father. Why, Harry and Martha Cummings are good people. There hasn't been a Sunday they haven't been to church and they've never done anything wrong in all their lives. I'm no judge of that. All I know is that someone did find him guilty and send him to jail. Besides, to be very frank about it, I don't especially like Chad's suggestion that I impose on a friendship. Oh, I didn't say anything about your friendship with the governor. I appeal to you as a judge and as an honest and upright citizen to have the governor quash any extradition proceedings should they ever be brought. Please, Father. Well, I'll see what I can do. But believe me, it's not entirely voluntary. Uh, believe me, Mrs. Cummings. Please, not Mrs. A friend like you've been can certainly call me Martha. All right, Martha. Now, if you just lean on my arm, I think we can make the two blocks to the sheriff's office in no time. I just can't wait to see the look on Harry's face when he sees this telegram you've gotten from the governor. Oh, me too. From now on, neither you nor Harry's going to have to worry about Houston or any other town on the face of it. Chad, those shots! Yeah, Martha, come on. Those shots are coming from the jail. All I can see is some horses tearing out of town. Sheriff? Sheriff, what happened? Oh, nothing, nothing happened. Hmm? Nothing at all. That bank crook, John Smith, Cherokee Court, just busted out of jail. Well, stop huffing and puffing. You'll catch him again. That's not too bad. Well, maybe that's not too bad, but Harry Cummings busted out with him. What? Harry? Harry broke out of jail? Well, he sure did, man. Oh. Well, well, this serves me right. I get the man practically pardoned by the governor, and then what does he do? Breaks jail, makes a real outlaw of himself. And now there's no question about it. Harry Cummings is actually a fugitive from justice. <laughs> we'll return to the stirring climax of Frontier Town in just about one minute. Now, Frontier Town. I'm not asking for sympathy. I'm just asking you to try and understand. As far as everyone was concerned, and that includes me, Chad Remington, everything I'd done had been wrong. Not only had I induced Harry Cummings to give himself up and go to jail, but when, because of it, he broke out again, the sheriff was against me. Harry's wife was against me, and most of all, Judge Fillmore and Libby were against me. Chad, how could you? How could I? Wasn't it enough that you came here first and talked Father into helping you? Did you have to come back now? Now that it's too late? I'm only trying to explain I'm to you I'm afraid both that... that explanations are no longer in order. 
In fact, I'm afraid any explanations that are due will be mine, trying to explain to the governor the meaning of this, this utterly ridiculous situation. I thought if anyone around us Rios would understand and have a little sympathy, it'd be you two. Oh, so now you're going to try to turn things around and blame them on Father and me. The less said about this, the better off we'll all be. In other words, without a trial, without any suitable evidence... You're going to convict a man that just yesterday you agreed was decent and honest to the best of your knowledge. Chad, I resent your tone of voice, and I certainly resent your speaking that way to my father. Just a moment, Libby. I'm quite capable of taking care of myself. Mr. Remington seems to feel that this is a courtroom, and that as the attorney for the poor, downtrodden, misunderstood defendant, he's going to make an impassioned, oratorical ballyhoo on behalf of his client. I'm not trying to do Young anything... Young man, you could at least have the decency to wait until I finished. Yes, sir. I was just going to add that since this is not a courtroom and since your client is not on trial here, but since this is the parlor of my home, I'd appreciate your leaving. Oh, Father! Oh, let it go, Libby. This is your father's home. I'm certain he's not going to be any happier or any more satisfied until I've proved that Harry Cummings... Harry Cheeseborough. I'll accept the correction, Your Honor. Until I've proved that Harry Cheeseborough either was forced to break jail or was completely out of his head. You're not going to prove anything standing here. You're quite right, Judge. When I've proved something, I'll be seeing you, maybe. I hope. Huh. Cherokee, I appreciate you trying to buck me up, but it's a waste of breath. Now, just a minute, my fine, upstanding friend. Right here in my hand, I hold this little bottle of absolutely genuine Cherokee Indian rattlesnake oil. You say you want to know what this little article does? Well, I'm going to tell you. This astounding preparation not only cures dandruff and heaves in your favorite horse, but is sold with a money-back guarantee to cure morning-after collywobbles. <laughs> Blues that are bluer than the sky over the... All right, Dr. O'Bannon. I certainly can't give a testimonial for your universal panacea, but I'm ready and willing to admit that even without your rattlesnake oil, you can cure a case of blues, depression, and save a man from suicide. Now, Sonny Boy, you're talking. So let's analyze your problem. You wouldn't have a trouble in the world if we could find Harry Cummings and clear this thing up. Just as simple as all that, is it? Even simpler. Now look at it this way. He broke out of jail with that John Smith character. Hmm? Who caught John Smith in the first place? Well, Never mind, I'll tell you I did. And if I could do it once, I could do it again. Well, if you think I'm going to wait until the two of them stumble over your legs this time, you're greatly mistaken. But if you really want to help, throw a couple of saddles on two of those broken-down nags you rent here, and let's deputize ourselves a two-man posse to find them and bring them back. Find them? How do you propose to do that? I may be a lawyer now, Cherokee, but don't forget I was born on a ranch and brought up on a ranch. I can still read sign and cut trail. Now go on, get me a good horse and let's be going. Oh, Chad, if you only could find him. I just know that Harry never, never broke out of jail himself. Well, ma'am, he certainly broke out. Me and Chan ain't going to find him at all unless we get locomoting. <laughs> if that's the word. Martha, believe me, I'll do everything a man possibly can. 
Don't forget, you and Harry aren't the only ones involved in this thing now. God bless you, Chad. God bless you. All right, Cherokee. Get that horse turned around and let's get going. Ever look for a needle in a haystack? Well, that's what we were doing. To make it worse, the weather had turned as black as my mood. A cold wind had frozen the ground hard, showing about as much sign as a piece of smooth-carved granite. But with Martha Cummings on my mind and Libby Fillmore in my heart, Cherokee and I pushed stubbornly ahead. Now I'm no man to complain, Chad. But this is one wild goose chase where I'm starting to feel like the goose. You look like a gone gosling. Well, there is a goose involved in this, all right. Several geese, in fact. Harry's, Martha's, not the least of them, my own. Knowing the fair sex like I do, I can promise you Libby will get over it. And knowing the judge like I do, I can promise you he... Oh, oh, brain up. What a twisted up tarnation you stopping out here for? Want to freeze to death? No, but I sure want to look at that briar bush over there. Briar bush? Hey, hey, Cherokee, look. Look what was snagged off on that briar. Looks like a little piece of black cloth. Black alpaca cloth. And if I'm not mistaken, the same black alpaca Harry Cummings' sleeve guards are made of. Cherokee, I think we found the trail. Now braid my hair and call me Pocahontas. You mean to say you spotted that little patch of black cloth out here in the middle of no place? And did it mean something? Sure does mean something. It means we're turning our horses and riding through that briar patch. But there ain't nothing beyond the briar. That is nothing but rocks. Nothing but rocks. And I hope a trail that'll lead us to that bank bandit and Harry Cummings. All right, this is good, Cherokee. Right here. Whoa, now. Oh, boy. Whoa, you elegant equine. Oh, nothing up here but rocks, huh? What does that look like? Looks like the entrance to a deserted mine. Except I don't know how deserted it is right now. Well, if those two are down there and we go in after them with the light coming from behind us, we'd make two of the prettiest targets you ever saw. You're right about that. Sure wish there was some way of finding out if there's anybody down there and what's going on. Smith, I tell you, we'll starve down here. We'd have been better off staying in jail. Where did you dry up? I should have left you in that jail to rot. Maybe I'd been better off rotting there than down here. If we only had some air. You keep that up and you'll get air, all right. I'll ventilate you proper. Uh, you're just the kind who would, too. If I'd had any salt in me at all, I wouldn't let you take me with you. Why, you... No! Now, keep that trap of yours shut. Look, the air down here's so bad. Why don't you let me see if I can't dig a little hole up toward the top? Just a little one. Just enough to get some fresh air. Yeah, all right. Gonna keep you amused like you would a kid. Can I... Can I use one of your spurs to dig with? Yeah, yeah, you can use anything. Only just shut up. Here. Thanks. Now maybe we can get some air. Oh, 
Cherokee. You hear that? Yeah. Sounds like someone digging inside the mine. Yeah, it's not just digging. It isn't steady enough. Sounds more like... Like dots and dashes. Like, like telegraph code. You mean it's Harry sending us a message? What does he say? I don't know. They didn't teach telegraphy at law school. It convinces me of one thing. Harry didn't voluntarily escape, and he's risking his neck now in the hope that somebody will hear this and capture them. Yeah, fine chance, just the two of us. In the entrance to this place, a regular shooting gallery. Cherokee, if you got the salt to try something, I've got an idea that may work. Well, it's got to work, and none of us are going to get out of here alive. <laughs> If I hadn't wanted to save Harry, it would have been easy enough. We could have shot through the entrance to the mine and blasted them out of there. But a shot might have killed Harry. So I had Cherokee climb on top of the entrance and hang there like a possum by its tail. Then I gathered up some dry brush, trusting to the wind to carry the smoke inside, set fire. With the smoke blowing inside the place, I just wait. Then, after minutes, it seemed hours. All right. All right, you got us. We're coming out. And keep your hands where we can see them. Watch it, Cherokee. I don't trust that smith as far as you can throw a buffalo by its tail. I got you, Chad. Fell on him once, and I can do it again. All right, come on. Shake a leg, or you'll both end up in there barbecued. You got us out of there, but you haven't got me yet. Oh, what a yellow-spined varmint you are, Smith, using Harry as a shield. Don't mind me, Chad. Get him. I'm afraid, Harry, that just talks easy. Come on. If you want horses, ours are over there. All right, mister. Get moving. All right, Cherokee, jump. Why, you... That's it, Cherokee. Now, hold on to it. Well, Cherokee, that's one way of getting business. Getting business? You bet. I can't think of a better customer now for your Cherokee Indian rattlesnake oil and Mr. John Smith. You might even do a wholesale business with him when he's up in his permanent home, the state penitentiary. I can't ever tell you how much both Harry and I owe you. You don't owe me a thing. Anything you might owe, you owe the judge for his influence with the government. Oh, stuff and nonsense. I'd say the real thanks are due to Cherokee. He's the man who knocked the wind out of Smith twice. Now, just a minute. Nobody could have done anything if Harry hadn't tapped out that message. So we'd know he was down there. (laughs) What would you have done if your life was at stake? No, sir. I'm passing the medal right back to Chad. <laughs> Libby, let's let them all stay here making their speeches. I think you and I ought to take a little walk. We have a few things to talk over. I haven't much to say, Chad, but if you think you have, I can be an awfully good listener. <laughs> <laughs> 
Frontier Town starring Tex Chandler is a Bruce Ells production. Supervision by Joel Murcott. Story and direction by Paul Franklin. Music written and played by Ivan Dittmars. Be sure to be with us again this time one week from today for another fine action-adventure story with your favorite young Western star, Tex Chandler. Frontier Town came to you from Hollywood. For this week, I'll be back next week with more Tales of the Frontier. In the meantime, you can find past episodes of this show and all the other podcasts with a variety of different types of old-time radio at relicradio.com. You'll also find links there to everything else Relic Radio. We have a forum, Facebook page, shoutcast stream, and our donate button if you'd like to help support this and all the shows. Thank you to those who have, and thanks for joining me today. I'll be back next week with another episode of Into the West. <laughs>